Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Anonymous here. So I tried making this video a couple of times in a recording and I just kept following it up. So I figured why not do it live? Maybe I won't screw it up this time. I'm just going to give it a couple of minutes before we actually start talking about the economy just to let a few people in here if we can get them. So last night was just incredible. I went and did the 4th of July celebration at a, at a neighbor's house and I could not believe how many fireworks went off throughout the entire neighborhood. It was like a war zone going off. Not only like the gunfire, just like, you know, people shooting their rifles and and other firearms, but just the intense amount of like mortars going off and just the continuous like firework display from probably a good 15 neighbors was just incredible. I haven't seen like a celebration of such magnitude in a long time. So I guess people were really excited to finally be free to get together without consequence and just celebrate it like you wouldn't believe. All right, 59 of you already. I love it when you guys jump in so quickly. Be sure and hit the like button when you get here. Try and spread the algorithm around for a little bit. I can only be out here for about 30 minutes or so. I got to go back to lunch, but I wanted to talk about I wanted to talk about the strengthening dollar and what that's going to do to the world because it is obvious that there is a global food shortage taking place and Russia is going to be like they're already spreading the propaganda throughout nations saying that the reason why they're going to starve is on account of the United States. So they already know to take advantage of the situation by, you know, twisting the story or maybe not even twisting the story. But to me, like all news is like propaganda. So just because Russia seems to be using, taking it for their advantage to try and, I don't know, make themselves look better in the situation. I don't know exactly why they, um, why they would do that except for that purpose to say, Hey, you know, it's not our fault. It's their fault. So it's like warfare in, in the, in the media. Anyhow, the United States, they are, the dollar is growing stronger. Just look at the dollar index. It was like almost 106 almost 107 today that is strengthening up against the basket of world currencies and if you take that chart take the dollar index chart and take it out like from the cnbc uh dollar index chart and you go to like the early 80s there is just a few times throughout history that the dollar was stronger than it is now the dollar is incredibly strong when it comes to a basket of world currencies. Now, here's the important part when it comes to the food shortages is that the United States exports more food than just about any other nation. In fact, it exports way more than any other nation in the entire world, with Germany being a distant, distant second. Now, granted, there are nations who produce more food by, by poundage, I guess, like China and India produce a lot of food, but they don't export as much as the United States does. The United States feeds the world. And if the, if the world needs to come up with dollars in order to buy the food, it's gonna become very expensive for them. So this is the reason why it's gonna be so expensive here in the United States, is that as the demand for food increases outside of the United States and they try to go and buy it from the United States, it's gonna cause the price here in the United States to go up, just because of the world demand for it. 
and you can already see it start to happen. I don't know how else to like warn you guys that the strong dollar is going to destroy the world, but they are going to send us stuff like you wouldn't believe because they go hungry. It's only a matter of time. I mean, I think about the story we heard from our viewer, the uh, guy who grew up in Cuba, and he, his family had gold. And they had this gold in case of like economic fallout, that they would be able to save themselves with the gold. Soon as they went hungry, they gave up the gold right away. They were like, we're starving. Here you go. Give us whatever you can. So protecting yourself with a food supply is far more important than trying to protect yourself with gold or silver as if you're planning on eating in the future. It's definitely a good idea to have those precious metals as the insurance policy, but when it comes to actually being able to eat, you better secure your, your food now. And it's just obvious, just look at what's happening around the world. And if the United States has to supply the world with food and they demand it at a high price, then guess what? You'll be paying a high price for it here as well. So it's no doubt in my mind that's gonna come. What else do you guys have to say? Why bother buying US produce food when the rest of the world could buy from sources for less than the US? Because they don't produce enough. They look at look at the exporting of I mean the nations around the world are going to go hungry. Who else produces as much food as the United States and willing to sell it to them? The United States, we're the only ones with an abundance of food. So they have to get it from us. Not to mention, we have the world reserve currency. So even if they wanted to buy food from China, the China may not even sell it to them. So the United States will sell it to them, but the demand for it coming out of the United States is going to drive the food up. Believe me, there's nowhere else they can go. Germany is not going to be able to produce as much food. That was the other article that was down there in the description. Because of the energy crisis that is happening, industries all over Germany are going to go down. And believe me, that's going to include the farming industry. I mean, they're not going to be like immune to that, to that issue. So it's going to happen. I mean, the food supply is going to tighten up and it's going to be very dangerous for people. Let's see here. The dollar will go straight up, then straight back down. The purchasing power is accelerating downward. Yeah, um, I could believe it. I mean, you think about it. If all this money starts flowing back to the United States, that's going to be very damaging if it doesn't get destroyed. That means that the interest rates would have to rise in order to like suck up all that excess liquidity coming in. But think about all this money coming in and the demand for stuff going on outside of the United States. If the, if a nation is going hungry and they need food, what are they going to do to get it? They're going to sell their natural resources. They're going to sell whatever they have to get the dollars in order to buy it from the United States. That's what's really going to take place over the course of the next you know, year or two or however long, it however long it takes for the farming industries to come back in order for the energy crisis to dissipate. The, in, including, like, you think about it, even oil, like the United States is like, what, the top three oil producing nations in the world. Even if Russia decides that they are going to start selling their oil in rubles and they don't want dollars for it, that means there's less oil to buy with dollars. What does that mean? Supply and demand. I mean, how many how many people are going to go and try and get rubles to buy Russian oil? All right? They're probably going to continue to try and buy it with the dollars and it's going to get very expensive for them not necessarily for the United States. Yeah. All right. I thought countries like Russia and China are decoupling from the dollar. They are, but just because those two nations are doesn't mean that the rest of the world is going to do it. And you also have to think about how much debt is due in U.S. dollars out there. 
the amount of like bonds and contracts that I've written in dollars, it makes me wonder if they could even produce enough dollars to pay for all that, to pay off all those bonds and all those contracts that are written. Once those things are done, like if the if the real decoupling of the dollar really wanted to happen throughout the entire world, then that means they need to acquire as many dollars as they can in order to pay off those debts. That's going to drive the dollar even stronger. If it does happen, then yeah, you could see a situation in which this flow of dollars comes back to the United States as the demand for dollars or anything within the United States is just basically shoved off to the side. But it ain't going to happen because people are going to want to eat. And the United States is the one who's going to feed them. And they're going to demand dollars for that food. That's going to that's going to drive the dollar ever higher. Yeah. Thank you. What is that? DV DV Daddy for the nine ninety nine. Really appreciate it. You have inspired me to learn more. I was in Astoria and was thinking of where you might get your coffee. Be well, brother. You. We would do an Oregon meetup soon. We should do a Morgan meetup. Yeah, you bet, man. Uh, if you're going to have coffee in Astoria, um, I like going to the Coffee Girl because it's out here right on the pier, so you get to hang out near the water. And then the other favorite place I like to go to is the Rusty Cup because I know Christy and she owns the place. So Rusty Cup and Coffee Girl are two places to go to. Think back to when they bought back and confiscated the gold in the 30s. Okay, well, that's an interesting question because a lot of people have told me about that. It's just like they're going to confiscate your gold if it ever you know, went up too high or something like that. The reason why there was a gold confiscation is because the dollar was being backed by gold. So in order for there to be a gold confiscation again like there was in the 30s, that means we're reverting back to a gold standard, and I just don't see that happening at this point. If it did, then yeah, you might see a confiscation of gold again where they say you can't have gold because we're back in the dollar with it. So everybody turn in their gold and then we'll have this gold back currency. I just don't feel that the powers that be are going to give up the power of the printing press and the global reserve currency in any kind of fashion such as that. I really honestly think that the starvation of the world is going to force people into a central bank digital currency and maybe a basket type central bank digital currency for nations to use as far as the global currency. But that is so far out into the future, I just don't see it happening. It's going to be a transition that is not going to happen overnight. And really here in the United States, it's probably going to be the last ones to switch over. I could see like central banks around the world individually setting up their central bank digital currencies for their own nations to use, and then eventually fall into a basket of, of currencies with the Federal Reserve and the Fed coin being the leader of the pack. All right. That will never work. What won't work? Um, I'm in Oregon and would enjoy a meetup. Okay, well, we'll set up a meetup here in about two weeks or so and we'll see what we can do. What's the difference between a central bank digital currency and a dollar? Well, the difference is, is that the central bank digital currency will be a competing currency against the Federal Reserve note. And most people probably won't know the difference. Like they will not feel any difference when they, when they use the central bank digital currency because it's probably gonna be on a card or an app or something like that. Where the big problem with it's gonna come in is that once cash becomes a nuisance because they start charging you to deposit it in the bank or charge you to withdraw it, that's gonna be the difference in it because people are not gonna want, a ca want the cash if they can use a central bank digital currency and not have to suffer from the consequences of a of a fee for depositing or withdrawing. 
you go to the store and they're going to say, well, you can spend with your CBDC or we can charge you a little bit extra because of the nuisance fee attached to the dollar. Once you have cash out of the system, that's when you can start taking interest rates into negative. So ultimately, the central bank digital currencies is about taking interest rates into negative territory and preventing people from pulling cash out and because you know it'd be smarter to hold cash than to take a take a loss on a negative interest rate all right what are the three economic occurrences that could happen to put china in the running to be the global reserve currency well i mean one of them first of all one of them you have to have confidence in china right so you'd have to believe in that they're going to do what they say they're going to do. I mean, I guess that's one. The other one is, is that China would have to provide the world with a safe and liquid asset like the U.S. treasuries, which means that they would have to take on an incredible amount of debt, which is something that a lot of nations aren't willing to do. And then the other thing they have to do is take on a lot of deficit spending because then you have to provide the world with that currency. And how else do you do it other than buying stuff? So this is one of the main reasons why the United States ended up becoming the world reserve currency is because they had the confidence, they were willing to go that deep into debt, and we have a huge trade imbalance where we import a lot of stuff to provide the world with that currency. It's Trippin's dilemma. And that's where, like, I think a lot of people aren't quite, you know, seeing it is that if the world is not buying or if the world is not selling us stuff, that means that dollars are coming back to the United States if we're selling them a bunch of food. So I could see where things like TVs and cars from other nations are going to get really cheap as they desire these dollars in order to eat. And that's going to be very difficult to deal with. All right. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Yeah, that's for sure. Smash the like button. Thank you, guys. I'm going to be out here for another 15 minutes. Uh, let's see here. I've been doing transactions online with a card. I rarely cash. I basically on CBDC. All right. No, you're not. And the main reason is, is that digital currencies are a transaction from peer to peer, right? So I have a device, you have a device. That currency goes from one right to the other. It's set up on a digital ledger. Now, I'm not saying that's the way the Fed is setting it up, but when you swipe a credit card, what you are doing is you're telling one bank to talk to another bank who talks to another intermediary, who talks to a clearinghouse, who finally finishes the transaction off on another bank. This line of transactions that go take a little tiny piece of it every single time. And that is where the difference between the digital currency and a central bank digital currency is gonna happen because it's not gonna be going through all these different banks to try and complete the transaction. It's gonna go from peer to peer. It's gonna go from one device right to the other, from one account right to the other account. And it's not gonna go through a bunch of banks. So there is a major difference between credit cards, debit card transactions, and a central bank digital currency. They're not even close to the same thing. Are you buying silver today? I am buying silver. I try to buy silver once a month. Now lately I haven't been buying it because I've been trying to build up on my cash savings and paying off my taxes, which I did. I finally got my taxes paid off. So I am now back into the idea of buying silver and gold and cryptos, but it's not because I think that these things are gonna go up into some major, you know, major price increases. I'm buying them for insurance policies. The crypto is more for being in the game because I think in the long run, cryptocurrencies are gonna be widely used. 
I don't know about all the altcoins out there, but I do feel that Bitcoin will be considered a digital coin, a digital, you know, gold for the most part. And being in position now is going to be very, very beneficial when it comes to 10, 15 years, 20 years down the road. When it comes to holding precious metals, it's an insurance policy for me. It's something that I have outside of the system. It's not something I'm looking to protect myself in case of any other situation. It's just the insurance policy for it and not to try and, I mean, I guess I am using it to protect myself, but I'm not using it to try and create some sort of wealth that I can buy houses and cars with. That's not even in my mind. Uh, uh, and buy XRP. That's still, I'm still up in the air on XRP. Now, a lot of people are very fond of that. They think it's going to be the, the altcoin of choice between central banks. It very well could be. I still don't know about that one, and I kind of question it, really. <laughs> All right, so CBDC will be accepted in tax returns. Um, that's what I'm kind of assuming is that that's going to be the easiest way to get people to, well, not the easiest way, but it's, a, it's definitely going to be a way to force people into it is that if you force them to pay taxes with central bank digital currencies or the dollar, then people are just going to move into the central bank digital currencies because the dollars will be a nuisance. All right. They are being sued for a reason. Oh, XRP. Yeah. I'm again, like, I, I mean, I don't want to say that it's not because I just don't, I mean, I, it's been so like prevalent in being used and set, set up. Like it just seems like it's kind of moving in that direction, but I still just question it. It just doesn't, something doesn't feel right about XRP for me. Uh, between Zillow and inflation, my shed is worth 2K now. Yeah. All right. Can you really convert PSLV into actual physical silver? Well, I've always questioned that one too. And if I remember right, you have to have quite a bit. Like, you can't just go and like cash in like a you know a thousand dollars worth of your ETF to get the uh, silver that that is you know represented by it. From what I understand, you have to have quite a bit to pull it off of the COMEX and all that. So I have no idea if you're going to be able to actually convert your ETF into silver. You can always sell your ETF and go buy silver, but we already know that the physical spot price of silver is not what you end up paying at, at the coin dealer or online. You pay a much higher price in premium, which says that there's a paper price and there's a physical price to me. Yeah. All right, technology to increase cash crop yields in the world's only hope. Um, yeah, I could see that once the once the hunger pains really start kicking in, innovation will really start start ramping up. I mean, there's going to be there will be plenty of people who are going to come up with ideas and concepts and ways of producing food in an abundance throughout the world that is going to pretty much cut the United States out of being the number one food exporter of the world as the rest of the world will figure out how to produce their own food out of necessity. And that's actually going to be fairly damaging to the, to the United States in the long run. All right. What do you think about UBI, the universal basic income? I mean, do you think I should agree with it or disagree with it or just what I think of it in general? I think when UBI gets set up, people will be singing the praises of it, thinking that it's the most wonderful thing in the world. 
And as time goes on, we will find that everybody will be dependent upon the government for the UBI payments and it will pretty much impoverish everybody. I don't think that UBI could work as deficit spend, like the idea of deficit spending just doesn't matter. I, I guess if you could probably keep the world reserve currency in the United States or keep the dollar as the world reserve currency, then maybe you could stretch it out for a longer period of time. But in the end, you have to have people working and producing in order for there to be a viable economy. I mean, a strong economy is built by productions and savings. And if UBI is out there telling people you don't have to work and that your basic living is already taken care of, that means that nobody is producing anything. If that's the case here in the United States, it really shows the Cantillon effect as everybody is diving into luxuries due to the fact that foreign importers or foreign production is supporting us. And at some point that foreign production ceases to come in and we're done because there is no production happening. And now I know like a lot of people are probably going to argue with the two saying that there's plenty of production that is ramping up here in the United States. But I think that's actually going to be more damaging than, than beneficial. And the main reason behind that is, is that producing here in the United States is very expensive. And I just kind of relate it back to the mask, the, the surgical mask makers. And we did a report on that not too long ago where these guys had ramped up production to try and meet the demand that was, that was out there for all these surgical masks while everybody had to put these things on through all the mandates. Once those mandates ended, and the only buyers of surgical masks were hospitals, and those hospitals go to buy the cheapest masks there are out there, they get them from foreign importers. And so the domestic manufacturers of masks started suffering from that. That same thing could happen in many industries throughout, throughout the United States. And so you think about it, it's just like, well, we need this like secure like domestic supply of, of surgical masks so that we don't become reliant on, on foreign importers of it. So now what? These mask makers are going under. Do they need government subsidies? How long do you subsidize them for? Maybe like you should just have government mask makers. Like that's part of the government, you know, part of like, you know, your, your, like a department of like department of mass surgical masks or something. Like how do you, how do you provide the, the stability or the continual production of masks if you don't have a profit to it? Like if they're, if you can buy these things from somebody else cheaper and you, why would you buy the domestic ones? Now you have an issue, right? So this is going to happen in a lot of industries. Um, let's see here. It's because of all the restrictions and expenses and expensive real estate. Essentially the working class has no place to go. Yeah. And so think about the Cantillon effect again. I mean, as you know, as the new money poured into the system right, and people were enjoying this new money coming in, what happened? They wanted to spend this money at face value. They didn't want to spend it on higher goods. And so it started bringing in ever increasing amounts of foreign imports. And this is what we're seeing now. I mean, there's there's like there's stories now of like a ton of stuff that's over in Europe waiting to get to the United States. We already have a bunch of stuff here. We don't need any more, but yet it's on its way. And there ain't no stopping this. I mean, you're going to we're diving into luxury now and at some point it's going to turn off and everybody's going to fall into poverty. How long that takes is who knows. But you can see it happening. I mean, once the things that people want 
become dirt cheap and the things that they need become very expensive, that's when you know that we're coming close to the end. I mean, people are going to think, they're going to be singing the praises of it, saying, man, look how cheap everything is. The cost of living is going down, except for food and fuel. But like the cost of enjoying your living, I guess I should say, not the cost of living itself, but the cost of enjoying your living is going down. And people are going to be like, they're going to love it. They're going to be like, man, this is so awesome. And not realizing that they're this close to the end. <laughs> A strong dollar is great if you have lots of dollars. Right. That's why I've been saying it this whole time. I mean, don't believe the inflation expectation that they tried to put on everybody. They, they printed up all this money and pushed a stimulus out there. At the same time, they severed the supply chain. So not only was the supply limited, but the demand was elevated. But the demand is false. The reason is, is that it was like, like beers and saws, right? So they spent all the money on beer instead of buying it on production. It went into consumption. And then not to mention, it was done with debt. So now you have to pay back all that debt plus interest. That's actually a deflationary thing that took place. So it was false stimulus. It was false demand coming there. It shouldn't have ever happened. If they had just cut the supply, the same thing would have happened. But they had to put the stimulus out there too to make sure that everybody saw the inflation expectation and knew that it came from all the dollar dollar printing that happened but really it came from severe supply chain breakdowns uh what does that say almost every item in electronics section at costco has a rebate right yeah no kidding i mean you think about like the people who are trying to return tvs and told to you know keep them and keep the money as well all our adversaries are buying gold and not Bitcoin, the way the financial media hypes it and how it trades like NASDAQ. I'm skeptical. Thoughts? Well, I do have to wonder. I know like there's, you know, a lot of the central banks hold gold and it's pretty obvious that they also buy gold if they hold it. Now, something that we have just recently seen is that the Bureau of International Settlements has allowed Bitcoin as a reserve. Like you can hold 1%, uh, these banks who, you know, the, B I, the Bureau of International Settlements is saying that banks can hold 1% of their reserves in Bitcoin. What does that say? It's a wedge. They hit it. And now all you have to do is just keep tapping it. What if it comes to 2%, 5%? Who knows how much that the Bureau of International Settlements will allow these banks to hold when it comes to Bitcoin. But the fact is, is that it's happening. And it's not going away. That's something to think about. All right. How much time do I have? Okay, guys, I have like four minutes. I wish I could be out here longer. I'm trying to talk really fast, and I don't know if I'm getting my thoughts out right. But anyway, I've never had a rent increase so high. Yeah, well, that's also due to supply chain breakdown. There's less inventory of homes right now. And if there's less inventory of homes, then the prices of everything is going to go up, including the rent. You know, I think about like, Think about the homes that used to be built. Like, I know that you can blast out a 1,200 square foot ranch style home in a matter of six weeks. There is that, I mean, a home should not be nearly as expensive as it is. But when you take into account all the permitting fees and land cost and labor costs and all the other stuff that goes into it, the only way that a builder can really be profitable is to build the most expensive home they can. If we were in a situation where like government intrusion 
didn't prevent people from just going and just building cheap homes, then we would see a lot of homes and the housing market would not be nearly as high as it is right now. It's not necessarily that it's a situation in which that, you know, the monetary policy is driving the home prices up, which it is on account of like low interest rates. But think about it, the high the interest rates are much higher now than they were, and the prices of homes are coming down in some areas, but they're not crashing. People are still taking out loans, just not nearly as many refinancing and stuff like that happening. But as far as like the availability of homes, they could be a lot more homes. There could be a lot more right now. But the profit in it is just not there for builders to do it. Uh, with new Cold War, China, zero COVID, and high dollar, I don't see how inflation can be tamed long term. Well, I mean, again, you have to, I mean, I just have to think about the demand for dollars out there. There is a huge demand for them. And if you have people out there who are in desperate need of these dollars, they're going to send us stuff cheap to get them. That's the only way they can really get the dollars. So if they are in demand for them and they don't have them and they're starving, what would you give up? I mean, I think about it a lot like, I think about it like a crackhead, right? When a crackhead is like desperate for crack, they will give up everything they own for super cheap, right? Well, it's the same thing if you're hungry, right? You will give up whatever you can in order to eat, including all your prized possessions, your favorite things, because you're starving. Just like the story of the of the guy from Cuba watching his family give up the gold because they went hungry and they gave it up right away. We need to get Wall Street out of landlord business. Yeah. Um, again, I think a free market. I think of free market tactics. If we didn't have a lot of the restrictions taking place that would that prevent people from building cheap homes, then we wouldn't see as many Wall Street you know, companies or like the hedge funds getting into buying properties up to rent them out. The only reason why they have it is because they have an advantage of a situation right now and they're taking, they're taking it. Uh, let's see. Best invest 300k 30 years. The bear jumps out the window. That's right. Yeah. A bull climbs the stairs and the bear jumps out the window. Yes, there is way too much bureaucracy these days. Absolutely there is. All right, guys. Man, I wish I could stay out here and talk longer. I don't know if I got my thoughts out properly here because I really wanted to do this in a in a much longer stream so we could talk about it a little bit more. But hopefully in the comments section throughout the rest of the day, we can continue this conversation. Thank you for hanging out. 792 of you, uneducated economists, you let me know. Oh, was, did I miss a super chat? Let me back it up here because if I missed a super chat, I'd feel bad. I did. Okay. $5. Let me answer one more question. What do you think will happen to companies like Visa and MasterCard in the CBDC environment? They are starred for transaction fees into bankruptcy. Yeah. Um, I really see that. Well, if they don't set up their own like way of dealing with the central bank digital currencies, I just don't see where Visa and MasterCard and all those other folks are going to be like, I don't see where they're going to even be needed. So yeah, they're gonna be in a tough spot, um, but it's a transition that has to happen. So I don't know, it's gonna be a while before like everybody goes 100% central bank digital currencies. 
and they might figure out a way to maybe take advantage of that. I don't know exactly what it would be, but as far as I can tell, I think like those payment processors are not going to be doing very well. All right. Uneducated economist, you guys let me know.